Welcome to the Post-COVID Church Podcast with your host, Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll be looking at crisis management from an expert who's a former pastor and a current crisis manager, and he has a lot of helpful suggestions to make the post-COVID church stronger and more influential in the culture. John Robertson is an ordained pastor with the Evangelical Christian Churches in Canada with decades of experience leading churches. He transitioned to crisis management. That mix came naturally to John as he found his calling, not just in the pulpit, but in helping people in crises and career transition. He also planted a church in Ottawa, the People's Gathering Place, with a unique model that focused on helping people discover God's plan for them. He now runs Fort Log Services, focusing on leadership development. He and Carolyn have been married 33 years, three adult children, and welcome to the club. He has a granddaughter. <laughs> so welcome, John. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I finally understand why people have said, if I hadn't known being a grandparent was so much fun, I would have started with that first. So I get it. Speaking of crisis management, good. <laughs> well, no. is it fair to say that even when new to ministry, you didn't have a lot of patience for members who just wanted to come and watch? You have always expected members to yeah. serve. Is that fair? Well, very fair. And the other part that goes hand in glove with that is I can't find any scriptures where Jesus asked for volunteers. In fact, I can't find a biblical reference where God asked for volunteers. It's, I pick you. No! <laughs> I don't yeah. like the, the term volunteer when it comes to church services, just personally. Uh, I think serve instead of volunteer, but that's a personal bit. <laughs> And, and to that comment, one of the things that happens, and it manifests in so many different areas, Stuart, that in careers, if I'm not clear on my wiring, in, in personality differences, on building a healthy culture, a lot of us were never taught on how we're wired. As a result, I don't know how to leverage different people's strengths and putting it into a reference that you and I would know, how does the body be a body when we don't know what the body parts are and how they work together? And so you also very much one uh, in favor of something biblical, small groups, aren't you? As far as doing exactly that, strengthening yeah. the body and also um, helping the body grow. Well, and, and keep in mind that small groups are not built around whatever, a curriculum. They're essentially taking the Jesus model. Jesus picked 12 guys, again, non-volunteer. He picked 12 and invited them on a three-year camping trip. And the rest is history. And the rest, yeah, and the rest is history. And, and you know, 12 guys, non-synagogue college educated, turned the world upside down. Tell me about, uh, and we'll get into what you're doing, leadership management now, but as far as as a pastor in a church, if you can talk about the importance of the laity uh, and its involvement and, and the balance which, with staff, how did you find that worked best and what lessons are there for the post-COVID church? There's a variety of different things. And, and first of all, one of the things that really stands out for me is a lot of churchianity schools, whatever title I'm supposed to give them, but a lot of churchianity schools aren't helping leaders in the church 
leverage those different gifts. So for example, if you have a real passion for young people that you just really love rolling up your sleeves, working with young people, but your background is an accountant, many churches will put you in a financial stewardship something role rather than helping you fan into flame, the passage says, but help you fan into flame that gift that is in you, that it might use some of your finances, but it honors that God-given passion. And as pastors, I can never, as a pastor, let me make this really tangible. If I'm not clear on my gifting and I'm not using it, it is 100% impossible for you to be using your gifting. And so the church won't work if the laity is not leveraging their strengths. So how, when we're looking at the post-COVID church and the whole idea is saying, this is rocking everyone's world. It's going to look different. It'll probably be smaller, but maybe stronger. When we're looking at leadership, uh, as you're talking about the gifts of the leaders and also the laity, what's the best way uh, for a church to leverage those strengths, find them out and leverage them? Well, two, those are two questions, to find them out, but to leverage them. So the first question is finding them out, meeting with somebody who can actually walk through that discovery process. I don't know what you're like, but I'm not very neutral on my observation of myself. I'm really, I'm really big in this area and not so much in that. And, and so therefore, whether we call it a coach, whether we call it somebody who's willing to wear a black and white jersey in my life. And the easiest way to start that discussion, Stuart, is asking people, how would you describe me in a non-physical way? That starts the discovery process because, you know, the things that people find annoying about me are probably going to be in my strengths. And I also have those people in my life who I find really annoying, but their strengths are incredible. And then the second part that comes to that is once I'm not aware, but I'm definitely more conscious of my wiring, then I put people around me who who don't who compliment in both ways of complimenting ple and pli the ple compliment is the jerry Maguire, and i'm not a fair fan of jerry Maguire movie but you complete me so the ple compliment is the team you complete me or the body the compliment pli is you know what what you do really helps me do what i do thank you so isn't uh, a big part of it then uh, having leadership in the church uh, willing to give up some of that uh, authority and power and, and let the laity grow, right? Well, and, and I think it also, and this goes into that whole leadership model, it inverts the model. To be a great leader in a biblical context, and it actually works in the marketplace, by the way, is it's actually a fight for the bottom of the pile. Go back to being a kid. If I'm king of the castle, 
you know what that makes you, right? You know, we've all heard that dirty rascal. But if there's a fight for the bottom of the pile, what that actually does is it lifts you up. And by doing that, we actually create this incredibly effective unity without uniformity. My guest, John Robertson, a pastor and leadership development expert. Uh, now focusing on management and leadership and what you do now, uh, can you tell us about Fort Log? How did that uh, come about as your name? Well, first of all, when we were planting the church, you know, the neat thing, and please don't misinterpret this as God speaks to me and I was in the wilderness and I'm slow and he normally has to say it half a dozen times before I get it. But when we planted the church in business called a startup, but when we planted the church, I wanted to be in marketplace in Bible term and biblical terms, it's called uh, tent making, but I wanted to be in that so that people would, wouldn't be able to say, John, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. And so I wanted to create some kind of entity where I was doing work, either consulting or as an employee. And I literally sat down one day and wrote out Fort Log based on two principles, Fort, safe place in the frontier you, we have to have a vision of where we want to go where we and build it in such a way that when we get there there's safety there's a sense of security on the other hand we need that log to help others sail the sea because there's no point going there alone but then as i was kind of knowing where you're going knowing where you're at and how to get there i realized well, that's really neat. If I put it in uppercase, it's an acronym for T-L-O-G, for the love of God. And the other word for ministry is service. So hence the term Fort Log Services. Well, one of the things that you say is the event is never the real crisis. Mm. Crisis is an opportunity. How does that fit in with the post-COVID church? Well, and you and I could be in the exact same vehicle and whatever, hit slush, hit black ice, and the car spins. We're fine. We carry on. And you're doing the, wow, that was kind of interesting. You want to stop for a coffee, whereas I'm doing the deer in the headlights, and I'm still impacted by that spin 20 miles back. The event is never the real crisis. And one of the things that I think Jesus absolutely was perfect at, and I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but he was perfect at was he never treated people by the degree of what their quote unquote sin was, disease was, or what was wrong. He always started with, so what do you want me to do? Do you want my help? And until we are willing to acknowledge what happened, and so therefore the event is never the crisis. The second part of that is, I know there's a cliche that says something to the effect of crisis is an opportunity that things will work out for the good. It, there's a cliche around that, but that's not a given. Many times when a crisis happens, not the event, 
the reactions can actually send us backwards and we become more concerned about something similar happening. And so my brothers sell me and they want to put me at the bottom of this cistern and I'm thinking I'm going to die. And then there's a caravan traveling by and they say, oh, no, I got a better idea. Instead of letting him die at the bottom of a well, let's sell John to this group of caravan people that I end up in Never Neverland. I can get caught on what has happened to me instead of, okay, God, what am I meant to learn through this? And the post-COVID church, I think we are in that refiner's fire right now. We are learning that Sunday morning was never meant to be the focus. Sorry, you were going to say? No, I was going to say, uh, and so what you're saying, if, if you were a pastor or, or consulting a pastor, you'd you'd say exactly that right now, that you've got to be planning for something different because it's not going back. I don't know how it can, because the longer, you know, like the, the refinable new norm, as we move into it, it's going to change as soon as we get there. So how can we say, let's go back to what was when that's not possible? And don't get me wrong, that is such a human condition. That's the part that I relate to the Hebrews when Moses led them out. You know, we were better off in Egypt. Hold it. <laughs> well, you're a, a big believer in determining what someone's motivation is, how, how important that is. And an example that you and I talked about earlier is that churches in the U.S. and Canada reopen. You say if a pastor's motivation is getting people back in the building, that's a problem. If that's the motivation, can you unpack that? Well, I think for me, I can't, un I don't understand where getting people into a building was what Christ invited people to do. I like, if that's the case, Paul running around the countryside, church planting means he dropped the ball. It's okay. How do I sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Why would God allow me to have this experience right now? How can I serve that fight for the bottom of the pile? How can I serve somebody else by what I am going through or by what I have been through? Well, how does that tie into uh, the term you use running towards the roar? Uh, and to, to how leaders should be acting to be a stronger post-COVID church? Well, it's very simple neuroscience. All humans have the amygdala hijack, it's called. When something scares us, we fight, flight, freeze, appease. So when the lion roars, most of us, normal human condition, instead of running towards the roar, we run away from it, flight or freeze. But quite often the hunting party is over here. So we actually run right into the hunting party, bigger problems. If we are to choose to live by faith, not belief, if we are choosing to live by a relationship with Christ, not churchianity, religion, that means that Christ is calling us to run towards the roar. 
And that means, what does it mean for God to be with me no matter what happens? And that requires, to, I believe, and it has in my own personal journey, to be honest, it requires a complete reframe of what does it mean? Fear not, you, have over, you will overcome. Because if he is with me through anything, then what is it that he doesn't got? I'm speaking with John Robertson, pastor, leadership development expert with Fort Log Services. Most of the folks who are part of the post-COVID church uh, project are lay people engaged, but uh, lay people, you're a former pastor. Um, I know there's a balance there, but uh, how best would you recommend uh, a lay person who says, you know, our leadership needs to get more engaged, needs to, uh, to go towards the roar? How do you recommend they do that the smartest way? I'm a firm believer of encouraging people to become what we want them to become. Nagging never worked for me. I don't know how that works for teaches me not to get caught more than it does to do the right thing. So what happens, what I have learned as much as a lay person is when I compliment the pastor's giftings, you know what pastor, here's what I see you do really well. Here's what I see you do really well at. How are we going to buffer these areas so that you're not looking after the 99 and the person going after the one? How are we going to do this so that I can leverage my gifts and strengths? And, and do it as, uh, I'm a firm believer of, you know, like Stuart, to be fair, if I come in and diagnose you and triage you and tell you everything that I'm seeing, you will have that teenager effect. You will hear me, but not listen or listen, but not hear, whatever it is. One of the things that lay people can do is lock arms with the pastor. Say, you know what, pastor, I want to help. I want us to thrive as a fellowship. This is not on you. This is on us. Here's some of the things that God has given me a heart for. And I know that you may not have been trained on how to use my giftings. Would you be willing to work with me as we figure out how to do this? And part of the issue, isn't it, is that the lay people say, hey, they're getting paid. They can do it all. I remember a seminary professor saying, that's not biblical for <laughs> yeah. to use our gifts. Uh, and, I think, and I think to that comment, it's not biblical because the role of the pastor is to train and equip the saints for the work of ministry. But a lot, of, a lot of seminary colleges don't actually get into the weeds of how to train and equip. We actually promote a ranching model of leadership instead of a shepherding model. What's the biggest change church leaders can make uh, to be more effective for the post-COVID church? Um, that, uh, you know, I'm thinking because there are so many different ways and how to really condense that. I think one of the things that, and I can't give credit where it's due, but I remember somebody saying, steal the Jesus model. He was close to three, 
disciple 12, expect your Judas, close to three, disciple 12, ministered to the hundreds and preached to the thousands. And I think one of the first things that leadership has to do is, okay, God, who are my three? And who are my 12? Because, and I'm not getting into network marketing, but that's the key. Those 12, and yes, expect the Judas. If the son of God who is perfect had a Judas in his crowd, then who are we to expect we won't have at least one? Finally, John, uh, what's inspired you the most uh, watching the church? Um, you're in Canada and America. You, you know what's going on in both places. What inspires you the most that you've seen during this crisis um, as a lesson to others that they could copy? I think one of the things that I just find so overwhelmingly engaging is that transparent, authentic vulnerableness. And I, I, I don't like English is so limited in its words, but I have seen some of those key church leaders to say, I'm finding my way through this wilderness, but I know that I, we are called, I am called to lead into the promised land. I don't have all the answers, but I want to journey with people who want to cross that river with me and don't see giants. And whether we call it transparency, whether we call it vulnerability, whether we call it authenticity, it's that quality that, man, that's hard not to love. Beautiful. Humility too, right? Well, and I guess, yeah, prob probably put better, that's humility. Exactly. Yeah. Well, John Robertson, a pastor and leadership development expert, is that our guest today. Any final uh, thoughts or words that uh, you'd like to share with the audience to help the post-COVID church? I think that we have taught people not to use four-letter words. Care, help, love, give are all words that we have to use, four-letter words that we must use to thrive in the post-COVID church. Thank you. My guest today on the Post-COVID Church Podcast, John Robertson, head of Fort Log Services, a leadership and development company in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for being a part of our conversation. I really appreciate the opportunity because what you're doing in raising this discussion is so important. God bless you and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the post-COVID church, our mission to help the church plan and serve the post-pandemic world. I'm Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the post-COVID church podcast. You can find much more at the post-COVID church group on Facebook or on the website, thepostcovidchurch.com.